Women Bridging the Gap is a freewheeling conversation co-hosted by Lenya Wilson and myself, Alexandra Detalia. Listen to our conversations while we discuss race and womanhood at the hearth level. How was your Thanksgiving? Uneventful. I, I don't really like celebrating Thanksgiving, and that is a whole other episode for a whole other day. I think because it's today, not a- everybody, we're doing happy things. <laughs> happy things, yes. But I don't really sell. I, I mean, I go to my aunt's house when normal times happen because I want to be with my family, but not because I want to celebrate Thanksgiving. So I instead just cooked a little beef stew and stuff. And Shane and I watched movies and TV like we always do. I think it was, yeah, it was a Thursday. So it was like pre-race day, media day for F1. So we binged on everything for the pre-race, which That's we great. sometimes do. Yeah, but sometimes we don't. But, you know, I did nothing. What did I know what you did because I was oh. jealously watching. Yeah, it was, well, it was a shit show getting there. You know, we had rented a Palm Springs house with our pod and our closest friends in Phoenix in August. So while the COVID numbers were going up, our friends from Phoenix dropped out. And then our friends that we went with, they have a college age daughter. And so, you know, she got tested like eight times in the first night in the house, actually, we were socially distancing, had the masks on until she got that final like COVID negative test. And then, yeah, then it was, I felt like it was a five person retirement home to tell you, <laughs> it was really relaxing. But like, you know, we woke up, everybody's in their jammies, everybody is on their screens, like whether it's reading or social media, the college age student actually was working for her inter- college, and she's a senior at UCLA, and she's working on her internship and doing homework. But everybody's sort of doing their own thing, and then we play rummy, and then we played <laughs> a different game, and then we played more games. I lost at Boggle, I lost at Scrabble. I made it made me doubt my intelligence level. Swam in the pool, Gosh. played more games. Our friend texted us saying, "Come on, you guys are about day drinking," and we hadn't even thought about drinking. This was Wednesday. Like nobody was like, we're not thinking about drinking. And then all of a sudden we're like, well, since Kim mentioned we should be day drinking. So you inspired me. Yes, exactly. I did inspire you. That's right. So then we started day drinking and that was like every day. And then Eric was just so happy doing all the cooking. Thanksgiving doesn't mean As somebody who was brought up an atheist, Thanksgiving has always been meaningful to me because it feels like the least of all the holidays, it feels the least forced in the mm. sense that I it is just about being grateful for your family and for your friends. No and religious connotations. Yeah, exactly. Like taking those connotations and not really thinking about the founding of, of the country or the, of the colonies. And it was the easiest one to transition from having a regular holiday with family to friends because when I moved out to California, I I mean, I basically stopped having Thanksgiving with my family on the East Coast because I didn't fly. It was too expensive to fly or too harried to fly at Thanksgiving from San Francisco. So the funny thing is that our friends, Alex and Steve, we think it's 22 Thanksgivings together. 
Wow. You know, and it's like, you don't even think about it. And you're like, that's longer than the Thanksgivings I had with my grandmother. You know, like that's weird. And it, I don't know. So there's a, it's the only holiday where I have a sense of history, but truthfully, I told Eric when we got home, I could do this once every three years. I don't need it every year. Like it's the food, you know, it used to be when you were a kid, you know, you'd be looking forward to whatever holiday. Yeah. And now I'm like, years go by so fast. I'm like, didn't we just have stuffing? Like, I don't care. And since, you know, I have menopause metabolism now, I'm like, I'm not going to eat like a whole big plate full of carbs. I don't know what you're thinking. I'm going to feel sick in five minutes. I mean, yeah. I still did it, but I felt <laughs> sick. I mean, <laughs> so we're in the midst of here in Los Angeles and basically a shutdown and we wanted- Well, modified shutdown modified. because the malls are still open. Yeah, that's really weird. I'm going to say- I'm really disappointed in the state right now because the leadership looks no better than Trump's at this point, mm. because I mean, based you're on like, consumerism. Yeah. Based on consumerism. But I also think I'll even go further than that. It's based on special interest groups because yeah. hair salons are closed Yeah, and shops are open. I got my hair cut once in this whole since January. And I went in to see Megan and her, and it was completely safe. Mm -hmm. I was masked. She was masked. It was only me in the room. I was out in an hour and everything felt sterilized, looked sterilized. Mm -hmm. I felt very safe. You know, I had my colonoscopy during the, you know, I went yeah. to the doctor. It wasn't a problem, but so to close hair salons and then keep malls open. I I have to say it, there's something stinks about that. There is something and it's special interest groups. That's what it seems to me. And it makes me. Oh, well, I can tell you, I can tell you as someone who worked in the mall that Westfield, the management at Westfield sued LA County after the last shutdown about the shutdown. And in their argument, they were arguing against future shutdowns. Wow. So I think a lot of why it's still open has to do with that particular suit. And I mean, I, you know, I now have uh, work only two days right, at the mall. So that makes me feel a lot better. And I work in a shop where I don't have a lot of people coming through. But when I was working in the Soma shop, I mean, it was not unusual to have a line of people waiting to get in. Like the shop would actually have the 20% capacity full. Because, you know, people have to get their bras and panties and there's, and I mean, it's kind of like they're necessities, just not buying an extra pair of sneakers or, or something like that. You know what I mean? Bras yeah. and panties and socks and stuff. So it, it felt more dangerous. Yeah. And even with all the precautions that my store was taking, they basically boiled the counter and the fitting rooms after every single person. Soma was making sure they look after us. And so this is no shade to them because they are still being very good with the employees to sit on. And I feel like most of these precautions are put in place to protect the employees more than to protect the customers. And so I'm completely happy with that, but I just feel the amount of people that come in because they're such a good product, right. the amount of people that come in, make it, make it made me feel really uncomfortable. I was like very uncomfortable on black Friday. Oh, I can only imagine. So 
you know, and I, I think that if we're going to have like this shutdown, if the ICU beds are that bad that you can shut down a park that's outside, then you need to shut the malls down. I understand that businesses are going, you know, going under and stuff, but like this should be this moment where you start to reimagine transitioning more online, which is what Soma's doing, which is why I'm now working from home. Eric had this idea last night that if we had leadership and really creative out-of-the-box thinkers. Could you imagine even a store like Target, but any store could have appointments and you Mm -hmm. have the person in the store actually go in with the movie saying, oh, what does this look like? Hold it up to the camera. We can send it to you to try on if it's closed or to touch. You can do virtual try-ons now with certain apps. There are apps that allow you. So there's ways around this. There's ways around this, but we just don't have the leadership and infrastructure you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a shame. And if we have, you're right. And if we're closing parks, it's also just messaging. Cause it's so they're asking, I mean, I laugh. I don't really think of any American as being very nuanced. And so if we're supposed to understand the nuance of, I can't go to a park, but I can go to Macy's. It's mm-hmm. people are going to It it, it actually just feeds people saying this isn't real. Like that's, it's feeding it. And so, you know, in law, we always call it like, sometimes it's easier to have a bright line rule than a balancing test that may be more fair, but is going to be very hard to understand. And so this is where we are. Like, let's just, right. If it's so scary, a bright line rule would be easier. Because the other thing is that it was... So I feel very grateful for my friendships, but I have to say like figuring out the testing and what we all considered quarantining and what we considered being safe and how we interpreted all these rules, even getting to Thanksgiving, it was a testament to a 25 year friendship Mm -hmm. that we all made it through because there were times where one of us had to utter, I don't feel safe with how you're doing this or you're interpreting the rules different than I am interpreting the rules. And, you know, in having that call, like we, you know, we lost the money, like the, the Airbnb stuff was very strict cancellation. So it really was, are we going to not go and just lose the money? If we all decide not to go, should one couple, you know, just take the house? Like, you know, it was so much negotiation and it was, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad we did it. And I'm glad my friendships with Alex and Steve and Suzanne and Jason are so strong that we were sort of, you know, we were able to sort of get through all of that, but it's anxiety inducing. And then you look at the country and everyone's negotiating this. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And I'm wishing we had a little snow or a little rain or just not 75 degrees sunny weather here in Los Angeles, because it is sort of time to cozy up for the holidays and start thinking about what we're, how we're biding our time through the pandemic to be safe and still have some holiday cheer, which brings us to the topic of our episode, which we're going to talk about shows we're watching and things that we're doing to, to pass the time. <laughs> to pass the time. And I also want to say that we want to talk about this, like, 
where I think we all need to find a little lift, a little excitement, because in March, when the first shutdown happened and everybody sort of moved into some form of isolation, people were baking, people were knitting, like what, like yeah. the people found these new hobbies. And now so much later, you know, Eric is not making sourdough bread anymore. Like, you know, we're moving on <laughs> to other things. And so, you know, what are we doing? And so we're going to both talk about it and hopefully you get some good recommendations from us as yes. we go. Let's each admit first to our guilty pleasure show watching, like guilty pleasure, <laughs> like what you wouldn't, like what you would do alone, like what you wouldn't put out on a podcast. <laughs> Oh my God, I don't have one. Everything that I've watched has been amazing. Oh, well, no, I didn't watch this during the shutdown, but now that the new shutdown is happening, my guilty pleasure starts today. Okay. The new season um, starts today. And and it is embarrassing, but I was so looking forward to Big Mouth. (laughs) (laughs) People love that show. I don't think you should be embarrassed. People love it's, that show. It is so bad. I mean, no, it is actually brilliant, but it's just, there's something about the way Maya Rudolph says bubble bath, and which she's in the show that makes me like, bubble bath. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I've been just looking forward to that. Her hormone monster. I've been looking forward to that. And it's not something that's like, a, you know, but almost everything I have to say that I've watched with the exception of girlfriends, which, you know, I guess is my guilty pleasure thing that it was like, you, you know, it's not the greatest show on earth, but it was very right. ahead Tell of its time. Tell everybody what it is. Anybody listening under the age uh, Well, of Girlfriends was a, a series that happened in the, I think it was the eighties. Ugh. I looked at you know the clothes, really it's funny. late 80s, it's late 80s. Yeah, in the mid, mid to late 80s and early 90s because they end during the Iraq war and it ended abruptly because of the writer's strike. So we don't even get, we, we don't even get closure for the series, wow. but it, it's my guilty pleasure in, in the sense that, you know, it's like these four women and their relationships, which again, very ahead of its time with a lot of the, the themes because it's that all they black take lead. on. Yes, all black leads. And it and some of the themes, the way they talk about, they talked about abortion, they talked about birth control, they talked about troubles with getting pregnant. They had some very interesting relationship uh, dynamics. And so, you know, it, it was very ahead of its time because people still people have fun. Uh, don't talk You're about not making things. this sound like a guilty pleasure, but everybody it's a guilty pleasure because it's canned laughter. Yes. Canned laughter. It's one of those. Like, yes. The hair and, is big. Well, most, some of it, like it, of a lot of 80s reason. hair big. It's 80s yeah. hair big. And I mean, and it dated. So a lot of it's dated the, 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 you know, some of the jokes and stuff about, you know, gay and lesbian relationships were very, did not age well, let's just say. Um, so it is my guilty pleasure. But I mean, you know, that's the only one. Everything else that I watched from the time that we locked down to even today has been really good. The, the amount of programming that has come out, you know, they've made a concerted effort to entertain us. Yeah, absolutely. They have. Um, and some of these things are things that I like second seasons of like 13 reasons why 
Oh, this is the fourth season. Sorry, the last fourth and final season of Thirteen Reasons Why, which is um, not you know it's not like it's the first time I've watched it. Uh, it, I watched the fourth season during the lockdown, and it it was really good. I mean, it's a teenage show, so I for some reason love young adult stuff. I don't know. My sister does too. It's her favorite thing. I won't. Candace, if you're listening, I'm really sorry, but she, she'll sit and watch like Degrassi High episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So oh, her see, and I love see. each other. Sorry, Candace. <laughs> Candace, it's okay because I love you. I get it. Yeah, like I watched Netflix has this movie series, and I think the second one came out, Kissing Booth. <laughs> and I watched both one and two, right? You know, like it's a teenage movie, but <sighs> euphoria. I mean, lots of people love it. In the beginning, of the pandemic, I went through, like, I have a love-hate relationship with the TV because I don't do anything in moderation because I tend to have compulsion problems. Mm. I often go through a period of time with no TV. So I, at the beginning of the pandemic, I did keep my Netflix on my iPad and I went through and watched or whatever app I had, I went through and watched a lot of the old top chefs that I had never seen. And I went through a lot of the old project runways and I Ooh. watched new, the new one that was on Amazon prime with Tim Gunn. I forget what it's called, but it was like the new fashion show. And I fell so in love with, I think it's Esther Brandt, you, the, this fashion designer from Germany that my whole pandemic plan was built around going to her store in Berlin <laughs> and getting an outfit. So I was going to, this was how optimistic I was that after Trump lost the election and the pandemic was over, I was going to rent an apartment in Berlin for two weeks, teach from Berlin, like online and go to shop at the store because everything is black. So I'm in my happy place. Clearly I haven't done any of that, <laughs> but that was a big, that was and a big shout out to Esther because she was, she's amazing. But yeah, other than that, I have to say, like, I then got my TV watching kind of turned into a depressive, mm. just like it does with social media or doom scrolling that I wasn't even remembering what I was watching. And so I deleted everything. I had Eric change the passwords. Like I was like, I'm just not watching TV. So I'm just back into television. Have you been using my HBO Go? No, I, I haven't you? used it yet. Can you? I know. I they, just all my favorite shows are on HBO. But it all—they're all slightly dark. Yeah, but and, they're, that's good. Do you know what we're living in right now? We are living in darkness. I want to watch British Baking Show, which is what I'm watching right now. I am catching okay. up on the latest season of the British Baking Show, where everybody is so polite and humble and you have people who have jobs like my job I'm the vicar's wife and I'm like I've never even heard you know what is a vicar you know I know what a vicar is but it's just so quaint and the music is happy and all right listeners so you, hear, you see the happy person watches depressive stuff <laughs> And the depressive person watches happy stuff. That is so exactly what this happened. is exactly what is happening right in front of your eyes. <laughs> it's so true. Or you're listening I, with your ears. I mean, I did. I watched. I was very in. I, we both love sci-fi. I mean, so yes. I did watch The Expanse and loved it. But I saved the last two episodes to watch 
for when the next season comes out. So oh, I, I have like one for you, a new one. The Expanse is really good. And Did then I rewatched some Next Generation <laughs> because, you know, Jean-Luc. Oh, um, he's so hot. Uh, yes, and, and I he's love so Jordy. I just, and Jordy is, Jordy's like the soul of that show and Warp. And my crush is more on Warp, I have to say. Warp is hot. And I, <laughs> and I know everybody's like, he's a Klingon. And I was like, but he's a hot Klingon. So... And then I have my really secret thing that I've been doing recently to fall asleep is I am watching on the Peacock app, the free app, because we don't have television. I've been watching Law and Order Criminal Intent, the episodes (laughs) with Vincent D'Onofrio, because I love (laughs) D'Onofrio. Oh my God, girl. So, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to talk to me about all your intelligent shows and I'm going to tell you, even when Vincent D'Onofrio was gaining weight and turning gray, he is still, he's so intense. I just, I love a Sherlock Holmesian character. I just do. A slightly mm-hmm. misanthropic character who's smarter than everyone in the room and okay. troubled. Like, and you know, I want, and then I imagine him Heathcliff on the moors and I am going to save him. Okay, that well, is where my head is. What are you watching? All the intelligent things you tell okay. us. Okay, I'm gonna. I have a nice list. The okay. first thing is I want you to watch on Amazon Prime Electric Dreams. It's sci-fi. Okay, and it's amazing. It has fantastic cast. Every episode is it's on its own. And this was a suggestion by Shane that we would watch this together. And I think we binged it on Thanksgiving. So good. All right. The last three episodes are not as good, but they're it's amazing cast. Every I mean, Brian Cranston is in it. So oh, I yes, okay. I've Janelle heard- Monae is in an episode. It's really good. It's really good, and that's I, I think everything that I am going to list has a little bit of like either sci-fi or a cult. I don't know what that says about me. Okay, <laughs> so you know my number one hit was Lovecraft Country. I know I'm in the middle of, I am oh. watching that, it, but I didn't know when you had explained it to me, mm-hmm. first of all, I mean, there's so much I love about it and I think everybody should watch it. And I have a lot of stuff to say about this. So let's pause here and I'm not through it. Okay. One, I didn't know all the horror would be on screen. And so that's a little difficult for me because I don't like Okay. Score. So it's a tough show for me to see because I, I, it just doesn't, it doesn't, I hide from it. But that said, but I love the fact that it's a black cast. I love the fact that they don't, that there aren't white saviors, which mm-hmm. are in all, when they do that era of time in the early sixties, mm-hmm. there are always, there's always a white savior and that it's just not there. And I really love that that's done. I think tying back to Nicole and Cassidy's talk with us, I'm curious about what you think about this, the colorism, if there's a colorism issue. Oh, there is between the, the two sisters. Yes. Okay. I, cause I, I started watching that right after our talk with Nicole and Cassidy and I'm watching this in the lead. I mean, God, I mean, she is gorgeous. I mean, but everyone is gorgeous in that show. 
Mm-hmm. But the ingenue is Journey, Journey Smollett. She is or Jussie, Jussie Smollett. That's her name. She, Something like that. Yeah. I don't think it's Jussie Smollett. She's that guy's sister. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So my she's so light-skinned. And yes. so I just was like, wow, this was what. I mean, because honestly, like if I were a dark black child watching that, would I have the sense of representation on the screen or would I not? And I don't know the answer. I mean, what do you think? I don't think her sister's dark, but then I don't know. I So because Hollywood, when they cast black women in anything, she's always got to be light, bright and with long hair. It's just the way it is. That is Hollywood. If you're going to have a black woman, she has to be as close to white as you can possibly get. And if you have, now that I've told you this, you're going to look back on all the shows where there's a black woman in it and you're going to be like, oh my God, they're all light-skinned. Viola Davis broke that. Oh, sure. I mean, I think, I mean, I don't have to even think hard. I mean, like if you look at Halle Berry, who is like, you know, a superstar. And even if you look at, you know, I don't know, we were talking about 80s shows. Even if you look at the Cosby show and you look at oh, Lisa yeah. Renee, I mean, you were thinking about like, let's call them like br- the breakout ingenue stars. Mm-hmm. Tracy Ellis Ross and Girlfriends. I actually will be honest. I mean, I think it's true. I mean, Hollywood stereotypes, lots of people. I always like same era. This is dating us all. But I always just look at the transformation of Julia Roberts and Jennifer Aniston, who were both in the very beginning, slightly fuller figured and both like especially Jennifer Aniston, a little bit more ethnic looking and completely got whitewashed. I mean, just blonder, lighter, thinner nose jobs, nose job. You know, just everything changed to sort of look like a Hollywood concept of beauty. So it it plays out everywhere, but obviously much more striking and much more dangerous when you're talking about colorism. So definitely it plays out in this show. But to be fair, that woman's performance was exceptional. Oh, she's amazing. Oh, she's amazing. While it bothers me, that's the way it is in Hollywood, and I'm, I'm going to talk about it as much as I'm going to talk about it. The fact is, you know, I'm just happy that they're having a seat at the, that Black women are having a seat at the table. And let's, you know, if it starts, that it starts with her, but and it ends with whoever it ends with, at least we're starting the journey. Yeah, so, absolutely. And Lovecraft Country being like the first of the show's with black people, but you know, then I may destroy you has Michaela Cole and she's a dark skinned black woman. And not only I may destroy you. So that's also on HBO. That's the, so this one is about consent. So this one might be too dark for you. Okay. Yeah. Too dark Um, now. I mean, there'll be a time where I'll go back and watch it, but it's so wonderful. Michaela Cole wrote Chewing Gum. She's the lead in Chewing Gum. I don't know if you saw. That's a British show that you would, which is hysterically funny on Netflix. And during the her time with, of writing and making Chewing Gum, she underwent a lot of different problems from all the interviews that I saw. Like as far as the way they treated her and treated the cast members, and, the, and then during this time, she also, I guess, got sexually assaulted, and so she stopped the show really abruptly, I think it was like 
maybe two or three seasons. And then she wrote some other, she wrote, I guess, or started to write, I May Destroy You. And if you watch, it's really about consent, sexual consent, but in so many different forms is it's not just the fact that she gets raped. Then there's this situation of like, she's having sex with this guy and they're wearing a condom and the condom comes off and he doesn't tell her. He continues to have sex with her, you know, instead of telling her. So right. it, it takes away that, you know, that moment of her being able to consent that whether she wants to have sex without a condom. Right. And then Absolutely. there's another scene with her gay best friend who was sexually assaulted as well, he wasn't um, raped, but he was forced to do something that he didn't want to do. And well, it is, it's rape, but you know, that he wasn't penetrated is what I mean to say. He was raped and, and again, lack of consent. So it's all about, it's all around consent. That's the, the overarching theme. But what I love the most about it is the fact that there's, they had a sex scene with while she has her period. Nobody ever talks about that. We like don't normalize the fact that women have periods and women have periods. And it was funny. It was well done. And it was like, it wasn't like this big focal point. Like everybody's going to talk about the fact that they had sex with her period. But it was like, it was just so normal. There was just so many things about this show that I love, that being one of them, and the fact that it is all, all about these various forms of consent. And I'll talk to you again about something I'm doing to take to pass my time that has not, that's not a television show when we start talking about other things that we're doing. And that also talks like that works through this whole idea of consent. So that was really well done. So I recommend I May Destroy You to everyone, probably the best show. I watched during that initial shutdown. And what are you watching now? So right now, I'm just waiting for Big Mouth tomorrow. I'm tonight to start. I haven't watched anything new other than like, you know, I've been watching the Formula One races when they come out. And like they've had three, they've had several weekends where they have three races back to back. So that's been great. But then they have like several times where the races have like a week break. So it's been a it's been a lot of like, you know, watching it. So it seems like it's almost every week, but it's not. So I've been doing a lot of that. And then around it, I've been, of course, listening to all the podcasts around it. And I love how I'm, when you're, you go all in. I go hard. Yeah, I'm all in. When the I love you, I I've ever done. In. The only time I've ever done that is Battlestar Galactica. Oh my God, that was so long ago. The new one or the old one? The new one. Oh, I like the old one. You mean the yeah the old campy one? Oh, I love yes. that one in the nineteen seventy nine. Sure, but I'm talking about the crazy like six season sci fi mm. epic opera. But it's the only thing where I really became a fan with a capital F, where I actually listened to the writers' room podcast that came out after, and then I was on. I didn't contribute to the message boards, but I certainly read them. <laughs> that it was really engaged with the entire story. I mean, I never get engaged with the actors like behind the scenes or anything that, but I was very into the mythos of the show, the mythos of the show. That's really the only time. I love that you you're will when you start watching this. game, when you watch Game of Thrones, you will. And you please use my HBO and watch Game of Thrones. It's very violent, right? It is, but it's everything. It, it's, it's everything that you love. It's- Lord of the Rings. It's sci-fi. It's amazing. Like you I will. Know? I'm going to watch it. It's on I mean, my. It's on my list. 
it is violent and there's some sex and incest Uh, yeah but you know hey it's I'll watch it one day I mean I'm really I'm reading so much and I'm spending most of my time reading right now and I'm really enjoying feeling like a 12 year old again with a book like I'm I'm enjoying that let's talk about that let's talk about what you're reading well I'm reading a lot so I'm reading I would say I'm reading two books a week right now and I try to read one and I'm doing air quotes like good book (laughs) and then one fun book but I, I think the fun books are really good so I would say the best book I've read all year really has to be The Six or Seven Deaths by Stella Fortuna. And it's a novel by Juliet Grames. And it's it's an immigrant fiction novel from a, a woman's point of view from basically Calabrese, Southern Italy, and her trip to, you know, New York, and and then to the suburbs and and then I read another I really like immigrant fiction it's probably one of my favorites so Pachinko which is an older book Min Jin Lee and that also is like a story of it's a Jap it's a story that it takes place in Japan and then like I have my fun books so I've I'm really a fan and I don't know if I know the author's name offhand, but I'm a big mystery buff. So I read the most recent uh, Tana French book. Have you ever read Tana French? No. An Irish writer. She writes mysteries. One might call them literary mysteries. I'm not sure that's always true. You like Hamish Macbeth novels because you know those no, are what I like. No, she's not cozy like that, but she's okay. it's modern. It's not like totally Agatha Christie, but in the sense that the violence tends to take place off stage, so you don't see the violence. So it's okay. really so not Sue Grafton. No, but even Sue Grafton really isn't. She's pretty cozy, but this is like a step above Sue Grafton, and it really sets place well I mean she sets it in Ireland and it's just it makes you want to go live there and then I've read I gotta say I read most recent books so Homegoing was one of my favorite books of all time I couldn't wait to get Transcendent Kingdom and I was very disappointed and what's interesting to me is that everybody else loves this book except me and one other person and that I've talked to. And I do really feel like it is her first novel that she just published second, which happens a lot. Or I'm wondering if it is just capturing this moment in the South and people just like that moment. But I I didn't really love the book. The other really fun book, we can put it in the show notes, but it's Victoria Speedwell. And she is an, it's a Victorian murder mystery, basically. So it's set in... (laughs) the 1890s and she is a single woman who's decided to stay single and she is a natural historian and Mm -hmm. takes lovers when she travels and then solves mysteries while she's in like in England and it's completely fantastical it's part Pride and Prejudice, because of course there's a love interest, and of course there are problems, and of course he's you know dark and troubled, and 
of course they end up traveling all through England. So there's a little bit of Downton Abbey involved. And then, you know, you throw a murder and you set it in this historical context. And I'm, I think there were five books and I read all five in a week. I mean, I just didn't, it was like every night I was like, Eric, is dinner done yet? Can I just read my book now? Like I just couldn't wait. So they were really fun. So I'm finding escapism. I am finding that I'm wanting to read in another time or another place. I'm not enjoying present books set in contemporary America at all right now. I, I find it too troubling. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so you would not be watching uh, uh, Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> I am not watching Handmaid's Tale. I'm not even going to watch Grey's Anatomy. Like I read something about Grey's Anatomy, like, you know, using the masks and insert, you know, doing it very present time. I'm like, yeah, I don't want my television to, I really am looking for escapism. I, my friend and I, I, if you give $50 to PBS, actually, you get access to all PBS's shows and Masterpiece Theater is really just my cup of, Right yes. So, there is a show I want to recommend to you. It's a BBC show. It's called Gentleman Jack. I've seen some Gentleman Jacks. I watched the entire series. I like binged it. So good. I want to watch it. Well, what are you going to do for the holidays? What are other things you're going to do to make this feel? Because usually you're with family. Yes, I have a huge family. I usually hang out. I think, so for Christmas, my beautiful husband bought me, uh, and I already received it, so it's amazing, a year's subscription to Masterclass. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes, I've already started, and I started watching this. I watched a series by Emily Morse, and it's all about sex, of course. And, and she talks a lot about consent. It was very interesting. Oh, I love it. I love it. That was my first one. I'm going to continue... I guess doing that and and I, I don't know. You know, it's funny. I did masterclass in the beginning of this. I might relaunch that. I listened uh, to a lecture yeah. on King Arthur. Who, did, who gave lecture. the lecture? I forget. So there's so the many. King Arthur like history is the history of all the King Arthur literature is a literature course. And then I did another one on myths and then work started. Yeah. I'm thinking the next one I want to do is on marketing and influencing people. And then there's like, I mean, Simone Biles has one. Wow. So I might just for fun. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, I don't know, but there's like 18 instructors. RuPaul has one about being your authentic self. I honestly don't know how much of a shutdown this is going to be. I'm going to figure out with my new position, how I'm going to work around it. What are you planning for the holidays? Do you celebrate? I always celebrate Christmas. Shane and I have like a tradition. We um, always, well, we used to go and have dinner with my family and then we would go to the movies, which we can't do this year. So I think we're going to figure out what we're going to stream and we're going to probably download something that we can. I was really hoping that, you know, some of the movies that were supposed to come out would have come out. They would have figured out a way to put them on demand or something, but people being so damn greedy no, I think so. I don't know why you wouldn't do Christmas special cable, you know, just like yeah. the fights, right? You know, like. Oh God, did you hear about the fight with Tyson? Shane and I were going to download the fight and then we found out it was $50. And I was like, there is no fight in the world where $50. Well, even if it was, I would never give Mike Tyson any money at all. Ew, <laughs> not engaging. 
like a long time ago, I did watch what was it, the Floyd Manny, Mary Mayweather. Yeah, but they were also. I just, I mean, I actually like boxing, and there's something about it that is appealing to me. But it's just such vulgar capitalism at this point that I just, yeah. I can't, I just can't. That's all well, I'm saying. I might watch. There's a Nutcracker. Like that's where I, I was yes. like, I'm gonna watch the Nutcracker. Um, the chocolate one with Debbie Allen. I'm going to like that one too. I love that one, but that's not what I saw scrolling on social media on social. Oh, okay. media, it just said nutcracker free streaming. And I saw free and I saw streaming and I'm like, I'm good. I checked interested and I'm going to do it. I'm trying not to hemorrhage money. Cause I don't holiday season is what I we don't have any young kids really in our lives anymore. Yeah. There's nothing. You know, my sister tried to tell my my parents that we should all just give money to a charity instead of giving gifts. <laughs> and my stepmother said, you can do whatever you want with what I'm sending you, but I want to still send you a gift. I mean, I think she's really, because she knits and she does so much yeah. for other people and she still wants to get excited about it. And I usually give experiences when I give gifts to my parents and there are no experiences right now. They couldn't even use their gifts from last year because of the shutdown. So, I mean, Eric and I are going to get a tree. We are going to do that. And then I bought a bunch of cooperative games. There is a cooperative game called Pandemic. I don't know if other people play, which (laughs) very ironic. But it's kind of fun that you play a game and the idea is that you all have to work together to like, you know, save the world from the pandemic or get off the island, whatever the game is. And I'm going to end up hating people after that. All no, these- I actually really like it. And then, but everybody else, you're going to laugh, didn't love it as much as I did. And so I ended up, because you can play by yourself. And so I just played by myself. <laughs> My suspicion, Eric doesn't really like games very much. And so he's going to cook and I'm going to play games alone and read my mysteries. That's, and actually that that sounds perfect. It does. Like I, you know, when you do the Myers-Briggs, if everybody has ever done the Myers-Briggs test, you're an extrovert, right? Yes. So am I. But as you become self-actualized, you should the, the concept is to be a full human being, like move a little bit toward the center. Like there's no, one is not better than the other. So being an introvert or being an extrovert, it's not better. You have, are you, do you gain, are you restored being around people or are you exhausted being around people? I'm finding, especially it's been true with teaching for a long time that I do have introverted even though I am such a crazy extrovert most of the time that I do have, I get tired Mm -hmm. of being on or doing whatever. And so I want to sort of restore by being alone. And I have found my footing a little bit by having all the options of the world sort of removed from me. And I have to sort of embrace my own introversion and really sort of learning how to restore alone. And I have to say, like, I'm really liking it. I had this, and this is really weird and creepy, and I am going to tell everybody. When (laughs) people were saying, you know, this could be over by May, I was like, oh, 
I'm not going to be ready for it to be over by May. Like, I don't want to have to say no to things. Yeah. I just easier to not have the option. It's been, and I say that from a huge point of privilege that I still have my job, that I don't need to worry about that. Of course, I want us to open. Of course, I want everybody to have their jobs. Of course, I want everybody to be healthy. But this pause button has been an interesting personal development journey for me. And I'm I'm ready for this to be over, but I also want to continue this journey. And so I'm excited. I'm excited for that end of it. Like I'm, I am thinking- Maybe you'll learn how to say no more because I think that's part of your problem is you say yes too much. Maybe you'll say no and learn how to just have some time for you. (laughs) Not an Alex thing. I put up my tree, by the way. You what? We've already put up our tree. We decided the day after Thanksgiving to put up the tree. Eric wanted to do that. I and I said I was fine. We, you know, we're bad for the environment. We get a tree. We get a oh. live tree. So we're he wanted to go the Sunday after Thanksgiving too and do it early this year. He's like, it's 2020. Let's just get the tree. <laughs> and I was just like, it felt like a chore. So we're gonna do it this weekend and make it less like a chore and more like something fun. And I have to say, my little I have always found this is an East Coast reference that you'll get. My street looks like Staten Island. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it is big, tacky, like Mm -hmm. different colored lights. Things are flashing. And what is ridiculous, I have never gotten used to this. This is 30 years in California, 15 years in Los Angeles. I'm still not used to the idea of Christmas trees and colored lights and white lights and snow globes in a desert. Like I just- Yeah, with no snow. With no <laughs> snow. The cognitive yeah. dissonance has not gone away. Yeah. You know, I've always said to Eric, let's just get a friggin' pink tree. Yes. Be Hollywood. And he's like, I will not do that. So we don't do it. We pretend we're in Maine and we- <laughs> And we make our house smell like a pine tree forest. (laughs) Oh, but that's beautiful too. No, I love it, but it's so, oh, I just remember one time it was like, Eric and I spent Christmas like going for a walk before where this was obviously way pre-pandemic and we were just going for a walk around Silver Lake Reservoir and it was 99 degrees outside. Like we were having a heat wave. I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt and I'm sweating and we didn't bring enough water. And I was like, fuck Christmas. This was (laughs) like, let's go home, go to sleep, eat a donut. I don't care. But like, this is not Christmas. Yeah. You know, I'm very much an East coaster where you get dressed up and you go to a relative's house and you sling barbs at other people and then feel really bad about yourself. And then you come home. Like, <laughs> That's what Christmas is. <laughs> you sludge through the snow. You're on the train for an hour. And then you're pissed off because now it's going to take you another hour to get home in the snow. Absolutely. That is what Christmas is to me. Yes. Oh, it's. I remember the Christmas that I, it was so hot that I just jumped in the pool when I had a pool. And I was like, wait a minute, this is Christmas. This is gross. Yeah, 
it's, I mean, but Christmas in Australia is the same, right? It's even hotter yeah. because that's what it is. It's summer in Australia. Yeah. And they would have these weird things like Santa on a surfboard. And I'm like, this is sucky. <laughs> I hated Christmas in well, Australia. Well, it's like Christmas in New York is so... It's fast. It's beautiful. It's magical. The well, tree. it is, and it's the magic. You know, my dad and I were talking a little bit about why Christmas is so sad for so many adults, and I really do think it's this Santa thing. And I know, sorry, we're leaving out everybody of every other religion in this conversation. But here's the thing. When you grow up believing in Santa, as soon as you find out there's no Santa, everything is a disappointment, and everything is then comparing it to the magic of when you thought there was a Santa. Like Christmas oh. is never going to be as exciting as. You think I believed in Santa. I think I did. I don't know. It is, I'm, I think I believed in Santa, but I still find Christmas in New York and like that watching them light the tree at Rockefeller Center was like a, something I did every year. And I still find the Christmas shopping on Fifth Avenue with all the rush and the snow and the yeah. people. And I still find that exciting when I'm able to do it. It's just now I'm not able to do it because I live here. I felt that way back East. And I felt that way in San Francisco, for sure. Like walking along the stores, going into the, all the artisan stores and all the boutiques and finding something really special for everybody. But I, what I loved about that, quite frankly, is that all of that would happen in my early twenties or in my, even my late twenties is when I first was with Eric and so much about I was feeling the gravitas of being an adult. You know, it was the, it was still a first, right? It was like the firsts of me having my own real money to choose my own gifts and wrap them the way I wanted to wrap them and choosing that I was going to go into the little boutiques on Fillmore street or on Hayes and rather than go into sort of a, a big store. And I got to, choose like you know what ribbons I wanted and I went through this whole big thing where I used to make these really elaborate like tidies or elaborate bows we were figuring out our own rituals you know figuring out what rights we want what rituals we were keeping and what rituals we were getting away I felt like for a long time in in my 20s at Christmas time I felt like I was living in my own romantic comedy you know it was so exciting (laughs) You, yeah. know, the, you know that scene from Harry and Sally where like she's dragging the tree by herself? Yes. Well, I've done that, you know? And I just, and I felt like this is so exciting. Like I'm buying my own tree. And there was magic in that. This is, how do you keep the magic alive? It's hard. I, it's harder for me in Los Angeles because you strip away the weather cues. Mm-hmm. You strip away some of the food because it's just still too hot here for me to really want mold wine. And, and then the idea is that I've been there, done that, you know? So for me, you know, last year we went to Sicily because I was like, well, I don't need Christmas. You know what I mean? What I'm going to use are these days to travel. And so it's interesting. I feel like this is again, that opportunity to pause and Eric, what rituals do you want to (laughs) do? And so I actually, I don't know if I'm going to do it. The British Bake Off inspired me but years ago I made a ginger house replica of Eric's parents house up in Northern California wow and I it was yeah well it was early on in our relationship I was definitely trying to impress them 
hand, but it was the big gift. It was huge. And it took like weeks to do. And, you know, I had to do all this research on the right structural gingerbread cookies and stuff. It was everything. And I was actually thinking I might do a gingerbread project. And now we have Pinterest. So I've been finding that people do whole cities and that people like libraries. And so Eric is like, like now he might have to share the kitchen. He's like, maybe you just do a tiny little. (laughs) (laughs) But I am sort of trying to think about a big festive holiday project to like recenter, like to recenter at the end of this really shitty year fucked up year yeah exactly for me i just hope everybody's finding a new way in to this Mm. period of time where we're going to be isolating a little bit more when usually we're sort of looking to isolate because we're so tired of fake holiday parties and all these events that you have to do or hemorrhaging money because you have to do events and buy gifts. I do feel like this is a great opportunity to not do all those things and have something more homey and, and think of like self-care and taking time to nurture yourself. Yeah. So, and whether that is like, whether it's reading or watching a show and I love the idea. I just love so much that you and Shane watch shows together. I do think that I've sort of fallen into the same habits as my younger students where I watch my TV on my computer. Mm. And so it's a very solo thing. And so what's been really great is watching now we do have a television and we turn on the television, Eric and I watch it together. And there is, there's more togetherness in watching the show. So I'm looking forward to doing more of that. So we'll yeah. see what I can talk Eric into watching. <laughs> Try electric dreams. All right. I am. Well, that's on, that's on HBO, right? No, Amazon. So you oh, have it's on Amazon. Amazon. So we have it. So, all right. Yeah. That's easy to do. All right. Maybe yeah. we'll start watching that. It's, it, the first episode is a, is like hook, line, and sinker, so it'll be good for you. All right. I love that. Yeah. All right. So we're going to be taking a break, everybody, a little bit of a break, and we're going to bring in a whole new slew of interviews for you. We have great people coming on the podcast. Oh, fantastic episode. I can't wait to bring some of these people to you. And, uh, and if you have ideas or guest ideas for us, please come find us on Facebook. Or Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> or just email us. Or just, or just go to the website. We are so easy to find these days. We are. All right. Bye, Lenya. Bye, Alex. Find us at womenbridgingthegap.com and check out our show notes below for other ways to talk with us. It's late 80s. And it came on, you know, what's really funny, just on an offside, my every time I say series, Siri turns on on my computer. (laughs) Obviously, I don't know how to talk. Anyway, it's oh my God, Siri, you make me sick. You know, Siri really hates me today. She keeps coming on. (laughs) Anyway,